everybody. Hi, hi, hi. How you doing? How you doing? Welcome to Lights, Camera, Cocktails. I am the drunken, horse racing, cigar smoking, uncle bucking Zenobia. <laughs> and I'm a teenage angsty, black eyeliner wearing teenage fool Lenny over here. <laughs> that brr, brr, brr. That's totally you. Oh, you know that? That's my classic. I would be so good in the Brat Pack as like one of those like emo, totally like whatever mm-hmm. girls. I would have been so totally. good. And here mm-hmm. on Lights, Camera, Cocktails, we pair amazing cocktails with amazing movies. And tonight is no different. We got two more here for you. Are you ready to drink, girl? It has been a week. It's been a hell of a 24 <laughs> hours. <laughs> I am ready to drink. It has been the craziest 24 hours Future ever. people, we ever. are on November 4th recording this, so we're still in limbo on what the fuck's going on in the world today. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully when this episode airs, there's clarity, but it'll be very humorous. If there's not, <laughs> uh, not really. It would be funny at all. We'd all be like, I'm, I'd be suffering. We're still suffering. All right. <laughs> so uh, this week our movie is... Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck. I love this movie. And do I have an uncle? Do I have an uncle? Unfortunately. Unfortunately. I love when he's like, hey, and he's like, who are you? Hey, how you doing? Who are you? I'm your Uncle Buck. So we are going to drink the Chicago cocktail. Classic choice. Classic choice. We have two ounces of brandy or cognac. One dash of triple sec, one dash of bitters, and you're going to top it off with four ounces or as many ounces as you like (laughs) of sparkling white wine or some champagne. I also read different recipes and they said to rim your glass with sugar. So I kind of did that today because I wanted a little sugar on my rim. Very fun. And so you're going to pour the brandy slash cognac, whichever one you pick, and the triple sec and the bitters into the glass. And you're going to gently stir it. I also read that you can shake it in a cocktail shaker. I kind of think that one would be a little better only because it would make it super cold. But I did stir this one. Yeah. And once you do that, then you're going to top it with your sparkling white wine slash champagne, depending on which one you decided. And you know your girls decided champagne because, (laughs) come on. And I went sparkling white wine because I'm that bitch. bitch. All right. So, um, you know, I can't wait to drink. So I always have to wait to open my champagne. Pop that bottle. Pop, pop, pop that bottle. Ooh. Opa. Opa. Love it. That was nice. Go ahead and pour that into your glass. You did a sugar rim on yours. I'm going to. I'm going to say. I heard that little glug 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 glug. <laughs> yep. Um, I added a cherry at the bottom of mine because these beautiful brandied soaked mm. cherries. We just put a little. Bo- we have them because my uh, my Ricky was making Manhattan's the other day, and they were so. Two fancy bitches out there. Well, I've been building quite the bar. <laughs> um, that's no lie. So much that I had to put it all on a totally different table and get it all set up. So now I have a nice little bar set up. (laughs) So, okay, let's try this. I'm ready. Cheers. Let's do this. Cheers to a prosperous future. Ooh. Ooh. That's smooth. 
I do that wanna, is smooth. I like it. I do want to point out that I did not use my blood orange bitters. I went and you bought a did? whole new bottle of the Free Brothers bitters. Very nice. Very. I love Free Brothers. That's the cardamom one I have. Yep. And so, you know, it tastes really good. I like it. It tastes like an, it tastes old. <laughs> does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it totally does. It tastes like an old. It's drink. got a nice, um, it's got like a nice, well, mine has like a, I used a charred. It was, uh, the bitters was in a charred whiskey barrel. Ooh. I know. So mine has like kind of like a little bit of a smokiness to it. Yeah. So I feel the like an aged, smoky, musky. Mm. Okay. Well, are you ready for a little bit of history? I want to hear that history, baby. Give it to me. Give it to me. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. (laughs) What was that? I just want you so bad. I had to, I was trying to reach through you. I'm just going to keep that (laughs) in there too so everyone can hear. (laughs) This is what I have to deal with all, all day, every day, you guys. (laughs) <laughs> uh, someone call HR already <laughs> Jesus. Jesus Okay, so you ready for a little bit of history? <laughs> you <get a> moment? <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Chicago is where this movie is set And where this drink is named after So there was not too much history on this cocktail so i kind of figured that since it was chicago and prohibition was around that time i think that's what led to us not really knowing much about where the drink came from prohibition started in 1920 through 1933 and a lot of speakeasies and underground bars and clubs had their own you know cocktails on the menu and i believe that chicago was probably one of those who became kind of famous, especially in, you know, the East Coast area. What I found is, is that like the first time that it's ever seen in print was in the Chicago Daily News. Uh, reporter John Duray had a recipe in his 1931 guide to dining in Chicago. And he got it from an American bar called Nice and Embeth Club in London. So he got this drink from a club in London. So what I, this kind of leads me to believe from what I was reading is that like somebody definitely probably started making this drink in the 20s in some sort of time. And then once Prohibition like really was like, okay, girl, we're living like this. I feel like a bartender or um, a bar owner picked all his shit up, moved to London where they drinking gin and just being extra merry and happy and opened up an American bar over there. And started shoveling out these Chicago drinks. That is, from what I read, that is what I kind of gather. I'm just putting history and everything together because it's really hard to figure out on some of these drinks because they're so old. Yeah, exactly. A lot of times we go off of when you see it in print. When you first see it in print doesn't mean that that's when the drink was invented. It doesn't mean it was invented in 1931. It most likely was invented in like probably 1921, you know, for it to become such a drink to be in uh, an article. So I don't know. Take that as you must. But that's a little bit of history on the Chicago Uh, cocktail. That was cool, girl. I like it. I love it when you feel like you're tasting a little bit of history in a glass, though, too. Like, I imagine all the fun parties others had experienced back then drinking this drink and just, you know, having a ball. 
Well, it's a nice uh, spin on a champagne cocktail, and it mm-hmm. is supposed to be served in a champagne coupe, which we have already uh. discussed in other episodes. We don't have in our cup collection at this moment. I did see a, <laughs> a really cool one today at BevMo, but it was only one. And I was like, I'm not just buying one. I need to at least have one more for when Lenny gets here. So Yeah. So I'm on the lookout. I don't want to get it by mail because I'm afraid they're going to break. Ooh, yeah, that's always a fear for sure. And there, I don't know. I'm my mother has like this most beautiful set of coupe glasses that I forever. I'm like, I like want to have nice coupe glasses, which I do. Mine are in storage at the moment, but she has these like beautiful Victorian glass coupe glasses that just one day I'm like, but mom, can't I put that in my bar? <laughs> okay, uh, mm-hmm. Mama P. Uh, Zenobia is asking for some of your glasses in your will. <laughs> Give it to your black oh, daughter. <laughs> I would love to, and I would cherish it with honor. Mama P. <laughs> Mama P. Okay, so are you ready for the motherfucking drinking game? Uh, yes, sir. Yay! Let's do it. I love a drinking game. This part always gets me fucked up, and it's all your fault. You're welcome. Here we go. (laughs) Here we go. You gonna grab your Chicago cocktail because this shit is so delicious. It really does feel like you're drinking an older drink. So I'm just Mm -hmm. gonna throw that out for everybody. Uh, Go ahead and get your Chicago cocktail and take one sip when someone's on the phone. So oh my this is every time the parents is calling somebody else to see who mm-hmm. can take the kids. Can watch the kids. This is when they call Buck. This is when Buck gets calls from, you know, the fam- the parents or his lady, Charlene. Like any any of those conversations. I do. <laughs> I do. When Cindy calls to see Buck and... Oh, her daughter clicks on the phone. Oh, that's like, so Mom. that's so teenage classic. Tia, she's just like it's classic. Bitch, I love where Miles answers the phone and he's like, "Yeah, I'm earning my keep. I'm earning my keep. Look, Buck's got me busting my hump. He says a little hard work would put some hair on my chest. At least I'm learning a trade. And I can, if I work hard enough, I can get hair on my chest. And so then she's like, <laughs> "All right, go get your uncle." And he's like. We'll do, Chicky. Okay, Chicky. Okay, Chica or Chicky. <laughs> what is that? What kind of talk is that? It's Uncle Buck speak. It's Uncle Buck speak. <laughs> he calls people cheap, so Chicky. Cute. He probably calls the girls Chicky, like Maisie. He's probably like, Chicky. go hand me the remote, Chicky. And she's like, ooh, okay. Like, you know. Little Maisie. So all the phone calls. I do love when the dad's like. He was uh, asleep and I woke him up. <laughs> and this hour, uh, that's a good sign. I woke him up, so that's a good sign. Like <laughs> that is a good sign because it was about two o'clock when he, they're calling. It's two a.m. What is that clapper? That what? <sighs> <laughs> it's just all the alarms go off. Oh, Bob! I just used your Christmas. Bobby, yeah, I just used your Christmas present. Ah, uh, the clapper present. Oh, the clapper! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wakes up the entire neighborhood. One somebody. Do those things still exist? Because I truly want one. I'm so lazy of turning this light that's literally shining on me right now. <laughs> I'm so lazy that my brother comes in my room and if he just sees me laying there doing nothing, watching TV, 
he turns the light off for me because he knows I'm going to fall asleep and I don't want to get up. Oh, oh, that's so sweet. That's a sweetness <laughs> right there. Well, you can totally get a clapper. That is still a thing for sure. Okay. Anyone who's getting me Christmas gifts, I'm like, I'm <laughs> falling straight back into the 80s. I want a Hands Across America shirt and I want a clapper. <laughs> and I will take, I also want a Bob Ross Ch 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 Chia doll, by the way. <laughs> Ooh, hell yeah, you do. Bob Ross for life. Okay. Classic. You gonna take a simp when someone says buck. So he's like, Bob. Buck. Bob. Buck. Bob. Buck. Bob. Over here. You know how many big white houses are on this street? <laughs> he's like, shh. What? Keep it down. What? What do you want me to do with my car? <laughs> he's so awful because in the middle uh, of the night I'm always scared to even like knock on like people's doors in the middle of the night especially one why would you go to a house that's completely dark and not the house across the street that I don't know has lights on because they're sitting in the in the room waiting for this fool half, right? the, half the family's up like <laughs> Buck you dumbass Buck. so yeah anytime he says Buck Uncle Buck who are you I'm your Uncle Buck I'm your Uncle Buck. Take a drink. Take I like it. Take a drink. Because he introduces himself. All that shit. You gonna take a simp when Uncle Buck cooks or does laundry. That pancake stack is everything. Everything. I need. Everything in the world. Like, that's the most incredible part. My favorite. And then when he has the whole setup for Miles' birthday, he's like, oh, happy birthday, Miles. Happy birthday. <laughs> I hope you're hungry. You should see the toast. You should see the toast. I couldn't even get it through the door. I couldn't even get, get it, it through, through the, the door. door. <laughs> I love it. And that's probably the scene that makes me love him the most. Like, makes me want to be Uncle Buck because, like, he legitly went all out. He knew his mom and dad isn't there. His sister is a bitch. Like, I'm going to give you some pancake that you'll never be able to finish in your life. A huge stick of butter <laughs> on there. So, yeah. That, that wasn't just a stick of butter. That was a slab of butter. A slab. Like a I'm brick sorry. slab of butter on that goddamn, no, oh, sorry, GD stack of pancakes. Mm, 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 mm. So, when he does that or where he, he cooks some breakfast and he's like, he's cooking our garbage. He's cooking our garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he put onions and eggs. <laughs> I know. As a kid, I thought that was gross. And as an adult, I was like, oh, my God. Who does not want onions in their eggs? That's delicious. I know. Oh, my God. He put onions in the eggs. Exactly. I'm like, oh, my bad. I love garlic and I mean onions in my eggs. <laughs> so this is when he's yelling at the washing machine. He's like, I'm going to put my load in you. I'm going to shove my load into you whether you like it or not. Come on. Ugh. Oh, oh no! Or where he puts the clothes in the microwave to uh, dry them. Which you I don't know what you're doing, do you? <laughs> yes, definitely. I would say that too. But he's trying. He's feeding them and he's cleaning them. So that's all you can ask. It's so good. You gonna take a simp when his car backfires? Cover your ears. What? Just do it. 
Oh my god, that is an ep. It's oh, it's always so epic. And at one point, you're just expecting it. Like when you hear the car, you even just wait for that little exhaust shot, and you're like, "Oh like, shit!" <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's so terrible. She even tells her boyfriend, "Like cover your ears." He's like, cover "What? Ears. Cover your ears? You don't know what's about to come." <laughs> Ever heard of a tune-up? you ever hear of a ritual killing (laughs) uh i don't get it if you gnaw on her face like that in public again you gnaw on her face in public like that again and you'll be one (laughs) (laughs) i love it i love it so much tune up your uh fucking car so you gonna take a simp when Buck threatens somebody. So the whole <laughs> ritual killing or the, we could just bury the hatchet. We can talk about burying the hatchet. You know what a hatchet is, don't you, Bug? It's an axe. Yeah. You know what a hatchet is? <laughs> I love that part. I love that part. I've got it. I got <laughs> one in my truck. I got one in the car if you'd like to see it. He doesn't really have one. <laughs> he, he, oh, it. yes, he did. <laughs> oh, yes, he did. Come over and come look at it. Come look at him. I want to show you. So, yes, he definitely threatens Bug all the time. Um, The drill, my favorite, is the drill through the freaking door. And Mm -hmm. then he's like, oh, other girl still. You're like, oh, shit. He's like, I'm saving you, other girl, from having to deal with Bug. (laughs) Exactly. The retribution must happen. It must. I love where he's like... How'd you like to spend the next several nights wondering if your crazy, out-of-work bum uncle will shave your head while you sleep? See you in the car. Or you could worry about your crazy, out-of-work, drunk uncle shaving your head in the middle of the night. (laughs) See you in the car. Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man oh so sad uh you're going to take a simp when buck has his hat on i love what he's like is, oh. is it the hat you think it's the hat no no a lot of people hate this hat it angers a lot of people just the sight of it and she's like no is it the- I don't know. This hat angers a lot of people. It brings up something in people. <laughs> That's a long story. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Cool. <laughs> yep. I love it where he even asked like the some like parents driving like, "Do you know of a party around here?" And they're like, "Yeah." I don't think you ought to go in there with that hat on. They'll kill you. Really? Yeah. Thanks for the tip. But you better not go in there with that hat on. They'll kill you. <laughs> They'll kill you. I know he's got his fedora that time, though, and it's such a cute little fedora. They even take his hat and switch it on him. They do, which I really did like that party hat, not going to lie. I mean, he looks good in both of them, but definitely Mm -hmm. when he has his hat on, (laughs) go ahead and take a sample. (laughs) You're going to take a sample when someone says a bad word. Like shit. You said shit twice, but only once for real. You said shit twice, but one was only only real. There was only one that was real. The other one, she was just answering her question. That shit was the way. That's okay. Yeah. You could drink on the on the fake word too. I like where. Yeah. <laughs> what's another word for balls? He's like nuts. Balls. Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so good. 
<laughs> oh, that's so good. Don't use that language. Yeah. Don't say that word. I don't know any other words. I don't know any other words. It's a ball sniffer. <laughs> so cute. Macaulay Culkin is so cute in this movie. I can't get over it. He is adorable, and I love him. I love him. Yeah, you kind of take some sim, some bad words. There's not that many, but when you hear him, go ahead. You're going to take a simp. When Tia says some good comeback, or she says something really mean. Like, I love where she goes, like, Maisie goes, gosh, what do we need boys anyway? And she goes, so they can grow up. We need boys so they can grow up, get married, and turn into shadows. And turn into shadows. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Grow up, get married, and turn into shadows. And turn into shadows. She fucking is so evilly angst Mm -hmm. she's so good at it and this was her film debut Mm -hmm. so like she's like fresh about it so i the only thing i had put down for a drinking game since you already kind of said it can we also add when she does that stare that dead-eyed like like i'm reading you stare it's amazing girl she looks like she has the crazy mom looked down is she not even a crazy mom yet she only like 17 no not yet <laughs> but she's got that evil look she's like ooh. so if that can also be considered with any of her like talk back or like evil comments also when she does that terrible stare yes take a drink too yeah thank you you gonna take a simp when buck drinks something he's normally drinking beer he's drinking like bud or something while he's like just chilling with the dog <laughs> I know, I love that. His relationship with the dog is so cute. Percy, yeah, I love it so much. Percy. Like when they're chilling on the couch, yeah, and he just scratches the belly like mid-sleep, like, Ugh, and you hear him going, rrr, rrr, rrr. <laughs> like that dog, whose dog is that? It's amazing. All I know is the dog did not have a problem with Uncle Bug staying there in the slide as they were okay. No way. No way. <laughs> All right, you're going to take a simp. When Uncle Buck smokes. <gasps> uh, which I'm obsessed with. Hey, I, I stopped smoking cigarettes. Oh, good. Isn't that something? <laughs> I'm on a five-year plan. I eliminate cigarettes. Then I go to cigars. I'm on to cigars now. I'm on to a five-year plan. I eliminated the cigarettes, then I go to cigars, then I go to pipes, then I go to chewing tobacco, then I'm on to that nicotine gum. Then I'll try the nicotine gum. Oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> Just have to put up with another five years of you smoking these steak ass And he has this like adorable, cute little smile at the end. Like, I'm doing good. Yeah, it's going great. <laughs> Baby steps. I mean, it's like, what about Bob? Baby steps. Baby steps. So you're going to finish your drink when he calls <sighs> Shanice to tell him he's a no-show. So he's like, you calling to say you're not going to make it in the morning? No, but you don't. Would you just let me? Give me. Let me get the. Let me get. You're not. Give me a. Oh. Goodbye. She's like, <laughs> goodbye. And she hangs up the phone yeah. on him. I'm like, I love it. Such great editing. It was so perfect. Their little tete a tete was so good. And that, I love it too because right before, like, he does the whole thing where it's like, Shanice, I'll be honest with you. If I could think of an excuse. If I could think of an excuse that you would buy. I'd use it. I'd use, use it. And then perfect cutting, then all of a sudden is heartbeat, heartbeat, 
heartbeat, flatline. Mm. And you're just like, oh, and there's the excuse. There's your excuse. <laughs> so you're going to finish your drink when he tells off Maisie's teacher. He threatens the principal because little Gabby, I mean, uh, Maisie. Yeah, here's a quarter. Why don't you go downtown and get a rat to get gnaw it. that thing off gnaw your face? Off your face. <laughs> <laughs> she looked absolutely horrified and scared, like, and upset that someone ever said anything about her nasty mole. Take this quarter. Go downtown and have a rat gnaw that thing off your face. So when she has to gnaw. Gets the quarter to gnaw off the fucking the mole off her fucking face. He, like, what can a teacher says, like, that a kid is too happy and too dreamy and too... She's six. I don't even want to know a kid that is... is That's not dreamy. I know. I don't think I want to know a six-year-old who isn't a dreamer or a silly heart. And I sure don't want to know one who takes their student career seriously. You go on, finish your drink... When he hits off some golf balls. So where they finally set Bug free in the forest. Uh. <laughs> yes, sir. You, you son of a bitch, I heard. And they hit him with some golf balls. You gonna finish your drink. I love Beautiful. That it's like the first time that fucking Tia and Buck like get to actually like really bond and have a moment. Like, bitch, I went out looking for you and I found yeah. your boyfriend and I found him cheating. So I was I was like, look, I'm going <laughs> to handle your ass. But first, I got to find my niece. I'm just yeah. going to kidnap you. I just wish that we could have seen him drag him out of that party. Like what? Oh, I know. Right. What was that all <laughs> would it look like? Oh, my God. It was so good. Like what? And none of the kids stopped him. Like no, nobody that would never. I mean, obviously we have to suspend our belief for all films, but like kids at a party aren't going to be like, that's weird. Isn't that Tia's uncle? Cause he's like going around the entire party. Like, yo, I'm Tia's uncle, Tia Russell. I'm Tia Russell's uncle, Buck Russell. Have you seen the bug around? No? Anybody seen her? Just advertising himself. And even at the end, when he is hitting the golf balls at Bug, he goes, But that's word, man, your history! I'm going to sue you! I'm like, well, there's finally somebody is uh, <laughs> holding Uncle Buck accountable for his behavior. Because even though he's a good guy, still can't really act like that, Bug. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can but in again, the 80s. Yeah, this is 1989. Yeah. So I guess you could get away with that kind of stuff. You could. You got anything to add to the drink a drain? No, you got it. All right. I liked it. It was kind of hard because all the things had to do with Buck. I had to really think hard of like, I need to think of something that other people do, not just what that fool does. <laughs> he has a lot of things <laughs> well, that he does. I'm, I do love it when like Miles, the eight, when he's he's eight, and then uh, Maisie, who is supposed to be six in the in the film. And I love it when they, those two have this like combo because they uh, they're so close. They have such like a good little rapport and like little things. Like one of my favorite lines is from Maisie. She goes, "If that's true, we are going to really have to start brushing our teeth." Oh, and girl, <laughs> I have already used that Uncle Buck line on my nieces and nephews. Like, oh, did you really brush your teeth? Did you uh, brush your teeth? Yeah, I could even feel my toothbrush. You know, I have a friend who works at the crime lab at the police station. 
I could give him your toothbrush and he could run a test on it to see if you actually brushed your teeth or just ran your toothbrush under the faucet. If that's true, we're going to really have to start brushing our teeth. If that's true, we're going to have to really start brushing our teeth. So cute, yeah. I love it so much. So, yes. and they just have a lot of those kind of interactions, just the two of them, which is really, really cute. And like the, so I would maybe if I was going to add anything, it's when they, those two do little shenanigans together. Like, cause there's the whole, again, like he's with Maisie and he's just like, you don't want to sleep with me. Like that part. What about like your that. brother? Your brother. Your we, brother. What about the dog? <laughs> we could put your, your, your dad's clothes on the dog. What about your favorite doll? <laughs> She's like, what no. We'll <laughs> put your dad's clothes on your favorite doll. No. Yeah, but then super cute because then you see he's like on the edge of the bed and she's on like the middle of the bed and you're like, oh, she got her way. But then you, a little bit more and Miles is also in the bed. Mm-hmm. And then like a couple the of dog. like edit shots later, <laughs> the dog gets on the bed. Percy's on the bed. And then he gets off the bed to lay on the floor and sleep and they all follow Get him. off the bed to lay on it's the floor. It's just... It's so cute. So anything those two, when they do shenanigans together, I think it's just, it's beautiful. It's comedic genius. So I would say take a sip whenever those two are, when Maisie and Miles are in cahoots or when they have exchanges, take a sip. Okay. Well, cheers. Cheers. And that is the motherfucking drinking game. Uh, yes, yes, sir. I have continuously told everybody that I am an Uncle Buck in my family and friends circle. I am the one that has like the Uber job or I only work on weekends so I have weekdays off kind of like, oh, we can get Zenobia to go do some, go watch the house, watch the dog, the kids, pick the kids up for school. That has always been like my thing. I have aunts and uncles Mm -hmm. who call and be like, I need you to Uncle Buck this weekend. And I'm like, all right, what you need? Like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is a classic request. I need you to Uncle Buck Uncle this Buck. weekend. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, yeah, I'm Uncle Buck in this week, y'all. Y'all don't even know. I'm going <laughs> to clean out your liquor closet. I'm going to watch your TV. And I'm going to pick your kids up from school. And so, like, are you ready for the stats? Give me those stats. I'm so ready for the stats, 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 stats. Give me those stats, 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 stats. <laughs> 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 okay, so them stats. Is them stats are hot. Them hot. stats are hot. So Uncle Buck dropped August 16th, 1989, baby. Boo, 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 boo. boo. And the budget for this movie was $15 million. So if mm-hmm. we translate that money into 2020 money, that would be about $31 million to make this movie. Wow. So still not that much. No, John Candy on a budget. Mm-hmm. And it made $79 million, which translated in 2020 money would have been about $168 million. Woo! So this movie made a lot of money and it made a lot of sense. Of it did. Being $15 million and it made $79 million, like... Think of all the pancakes Uncle Buck could have made with that dough. Oh! oh. <laughs> <laughs> True. That was a good one. So, are you ready for Rotten Tomatoes? Yes. I, I am. I'm very, I feel really confident about the critics on this one because, all right, give it to me. 
Okay. Rotten Tomatoes. Critics. 61%. Ooh, her face. Wow. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm surprised. I'm a little surprised. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I think that people... Like, I read that the critics were not, like, the craziest, biggest fans about this movie. Um, I okay. think it was mainly because it veered off of, like, dealing with the teenage angst and younger people. But John Candy can do whatever he wants. And I think that yeah. critics also didn't buy him being a mean, tough guy. Because he's John Candy. Yeah. But I still think that it should be more than 61%. I would expect it to be more than 61%. I'm a little, I'm a little surprised, but maybe they were no cut bullshit kind of crap. I don't know. But the audience, they gave it 76%. Okay. So a little better. All right. And the ZZ Fresh is a hundred. I love this movie. I don't know how many times I have to tell you I am uncle buck, just a cooler female, blacker uncle buck. (laughs) And, um, I love how, even though he's a slacker and, you know, he's family. So you have to kind of like help, like help your family out when they're in in a crisis, even though your sister-in-law is a bitch and doesn't like you, you still going to be there. I know. It was so sad when he sees that he's like folded out of their wedding picture. It's so wrong. Yeah. So I just love this movie. I always have warm feelings about it. It makes me super happy. I always stop and finish watching it. Like I said, I quote it all the time. I (laughs) am Uncle Buck. So, yeah, hunt it. I feel it. I feel that from you. I love it. I get it. I'm I'm Aunt Lenny. So, like, I've got my own little zest in life. Mm. So, like, my Lenny zest. I would give this movie for sure, like, 92%. Yeah. Just a 92. I don't know why I'm not giving it 100% because the so- the storyline is so solid. All the characters are so good. I don't think that there's anything really lacking for me. All right. So what's the 92 about? I don't know. What What's those 8%? <laughs> it's a 100, bitch. The casting is it's awesome. It's 100. I know. The, the casting director is awesome. The storyline is, is great. Uh, one of the greatest, like modern day 80s 90s director he makes writes great stories that we watch over and over a kajillion times we can all quote oh john hughes when we dive into john hughes in a minute it's gonna get serious because he makes some of the best maybe it's just because it's not my favorite john hughes film so like i'm not gonna immediately like just say like it's the best it might be my favorite of his fuck yeah i mean it's a solid i mean either this or ferris bueller might be my like my favorite they're talking uh, see like yeah ferris bueller the breakfast club like those for me like are just so up there and saint elmo's fire right. i don't know oh some kind of wonderful uh I, okay i think that's the only reason why i'm not giving it a perfect hundred because i'm making i can't give any of his films the perfect because none of them are better than the other they're all just so great so from here on out i'm always just gonna give everything a 92 percent come john hughes i am gonna hold you to it i'm <laughs> going to remember that so when our next john hughes movie comes if it's not 92 then i'll know that you like that one more than uncle buck i mean what about the great outdoors like you can't even i i like i don't Oh my god, the Great Outdoors is so good. Dan Aykroyd and uh, like John Candy, like come on, that movie's. So, I mean, between the both of those, so I funny. I almost had like I c- almost couldn't pick which one I wanted to put because I like them both. All right, whatever. Uh, I, I'm just holding you to this 92 shit. Let me write this down. 90. 
2% John Hughes. Right. Oh my God, she's really taking notes on it. I'll hold to it. I hold to it. Hold. I'm not even tripping right now. All right. I am not even tripping. This movie opened in the box office at number one and it made $8.8 million. It's opening weekend here in the Americas. Uh, ooh, the champagne is getting me burpy. Oh, that was beautiful, darling. That was so gorgeous. I absolutely loved it. All right, since you're drooling, why don't we go ahead and start with John Hughes? Am I drooling? Is there a pedal? <laughs> you don't want to sleep with me. I'm a big drooler. You could wake up in the middle of the night thinking you were asleep in a swamp. I drool. I drool. There's always like a, you'll feel like you're on the lake. Um, yeah, let's dive into the man, the beautiful, beautiful man, John Hughes, our gorgeous director. Wait, you guys have already touched a little bit about him. Uh, we've done two of his movies. National Lampoon Vacation and National Lampoon Christmas Vacation. The only two Christmas Vacation that we've done. Which he he wrote. He wrote. But that's all. That's, didn't direct. He was a producer and he was a writer on both of those. Yes. I believe. And so we did touch on the him on those, especially on, you know, kind of where the whole vacation idea came from. Um, mm -hmm. Him writing in, in Mad Magazine a couple short stories that yeah. the vacations are all based off of. But we have not done an official John Hughes directed movie until today. And so if you want to check any of that National Lampoon, you can listen to old episodes, uh, Lights, Camera, Cocktails. Cocktails. For sure, and check those out. But we're going to go deep into the, the inspiring work that this man has done he unfortunately has passed he did die in 2009 rest in peace um uh he, but what he left behind is just like a incredible amount of films that just celebrate the outcasts celebrate the outsiders the the difficult the the stress the misunderstood the quirky the weird right i feel like that's how, that's who he is. That's who he gets to celebrate, which is like, I really freaking love. He's done all of our favorites. Like we were already saying, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Pretty mm -hmm, in Pink, mm -hmm. The Breakfast Club, uh, Home Alone uh, with another Macaulay Culkin film. We'll definitely start talking about that. Yep. Mr. Mom, yep. uh, 16 Candles, Weird Science. I mean, his the list goes on and on and on. He really took the time during the 80s to understand and get the teenage the teenage character, the teenage dramas, and then like young adults basically during that time, which I really, really love about him. Uh, what I really, really dig specifically is how a lot of the films, a lot of the films, what am I saying? Every, all the films <laughs> are mainly based out of Chicago. Yeah, that is he where is, he's from, right? He's an Illinois boy, homegrown, uh, loves it. And what I really, really appreciate is that he seems to always come back to this this school and it's the same school that he films here in uh uncle buck he's done it he's used the same high school for the breakfast club ferris bueller's day off and uh he it's usually in those uh films it was summer uh Shermerville, illinois yes. that mm -hmm. it was that's the name of the the town of uh northbrook <laughs> basically northbrook. and then that's what the high school glenbrook north high school is where it's from it's so cool because it, it kind of puts the interlink and makes me always wonder are these stories all kind of happening amongst each other even though molly ringwald's in like half of them and there's not like <laughs> a of uh 
Molly Ringwald, although that would be awesome. I don't know. Just there's, <laughs> there's bitches that look the same, you know? I see it all the time. She's, she's just playing different people that look like her. I mean, I, love I her. do love that he used that school for mm-hmm. exterior and interior. The entire, interior. most of the sets are built in there, especially the two-story house that we see is built in there. Well, so that's a different high school. The high school that uh, you're thinking of. Oh. Uh, yeah, that's New Tier High School, which is in Northfield, which is right next door to Northbrook. Mm-hmm. That, that, that one is the one that specifically they worked and made all of like, like they used the gymnasium to build the lavish two story Russell home and other like really awesome pieces in that film itself because they had three sound stages in the school's gyms. Like wow. that's how intricate they got with this when he couldn't film. Cause he was actually not supposed to be filming in Chicago for this film. Oh yeah. No, he just, they were supposed to be shooting in St. Louis but uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately, it was like a crazy heat wave that happened in 1988 during the time of the film. And there was no snow yeah. there. And they were like, look, no this is supposed to feel like, you know, like a cozy uh He loves winter. cold, wintry film. He loves it with his, his the, the characters with coats on. That's always what I like to think whenever I'm watching one of his movies. Characters with coats. They always have really cool coats, really cool, like, winter accessories. It's like always cold. Make it Chicago. So, Yeah. And it it makes me feel like John Candy. I know that he is from Canada, but growing up, I didn't know that. Like, he just seemed like every, what Chicago men look like. Like, they look like John Mm -hmm. Candy. Like, that's what I always thought, because it feels like every movie that he's in, he's, like, from Chicago. He's from Illinois somewhere. Yeah. No, he's, that. that's his hometown. Like, that's, and I meant to research. I didn't know if, I mean, obviously, if you're doing the sets in the schools, the money's going to go back to the schools. Like, so I love that he's giving back to the community that he once lived in. Like he was, well, he was born in Langsing, Michigan, but he has like really close ties to Illinois. Well, I know that one of the high schools was abandoned, the one that they built the set on. So they probably rented the property for however long they needed it for. And I think mm. that the school actually, it might be open, reopened by now, but uh, if not, that's pretty cool. And I would like to say- I wonder to, if it was open during the time that he, because he, that's where he went to high school, was in Northbrook. So well, I wonder of, if it was- You said it was two different high schools, so one of them yes. could have been opened, but I do know that the one that they pretty much kind of turned into their studio was- abandoned so they had sections that you know macaulay culkins and the kids would go into to do their actual schoolwork. they also put editing into some of the classrooms and you know administration things were all done that way and because of that this movie got made extremely quickly so it was filmed edited, and released in theaters and distributed on vhs all in one year they did all of that. Wow. Yeah. And it's because everything was so close by. It's because as, soon as, as soon as they were done filming a section, it went automatically to the editors who are down the hall from where they just filmed it. And they were immediately starting to do it. So that's something that I've never heard of when doing things about movies on how long this thing's. But getting everything filmed, edited, released into theaters and released into like video stores all within mm-hmm. 1989. And this movie wow. came out in August. August 16th. So, That's yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. 
I think that, that that's that's impressive. Cool. I mean, once you have all when you have your production there, everything mm-hmm. there, everything kind of just moves so smoothly and quickly for them. That's amazing. Yeah, John Hughes is a, a smart man, and if you are a director or upcoming director or producer, this is a smart way to go. Find a abandoned school, find an abandoned hospital that you can literally turn into your own studio. Now, I'm not saying yeah, go out and sad. buy it, but at least go out there and rent it so that you can build and have everything all into one. Like, that's so mm-hmm. smart. It's so it's so incredibly smart. Uh, but John Hughes, he's had some cool movies. I, I forgot that he directed Curly Sue. I love Curly Sue. Yeah. I love... Actually, I'm still addicted to cold pizza because she loved cold pizza I, so much. I used to love... I mean, cold pizza... I still love cold pizza. Like, let's be real. That's traveled with me. But I honestly have okay. to attribute to loving cold pizza as much as I do because of Curly Sue. I do remember watching that and thinking like, oh my God, so this is like a thing. People eat cold pizza. Like, that's a thing. Yeah. Oh, Yeah the best i mean i love john hughes because he uh he's really good at telling stories that everybody can kind of relate to everybody has that drunk uncle who comes to the weddings that you're always like damn this fool came or like you know the crazy auntie that comes through either one you know like everyone Mm -hmm. felt like when they were a teenager that nobody saw them and cared about them everybody knew the kid who dressed really odd but in real life they were fucking cool as fuck like you know he (laughs) he totally was great at that the only thing that i'd have to say is that he made his story super uh caucasian yeah that's my only down downer of his movies because i do relate to you know being ferris bueller and ditching school and having like one of the coolest days ever you know absolutely all his movies are so relatable but Mm -hmm. they are extremely caucasian and that's probably the only thing that i would have to say is that i wish that he you know lived long enough longer so that he could you know i know he died so young yeah fill in his uh his cast. I mean, he didn't direct that many movies. I mean, the last movie he directed was Curly Sue in 91. But he, yeah. like, continued to write and produce To write them, yeah. Like, forever, so... Yeah, I think he he always had a passion to directing, but it, it made sense and was easier for him to just be the writer and be behind everything, which is pretty cool. And I've only heard nothing but, like, the greatest rapport of... Yeah of people that have worked with him. Like one of my favorites is Macaulay Culkin. He was said, he was like, I I was a fan of both of him and a fan of him as a person. Yeah. And he, he is one of those like, and and Macaulay Culkin said it, he's a quintessential director to influence all generations. Like we all feel that man. He is, he knows how to write what it feels like to grow up. And he recognized that he loved the fact that he could tell the story and be honest for these teenagers. Yeah. And that's what I, and I, I love hearing to say that you related to it. Cause I did too. And like, that makes us bond as humans too. Cause like we both love, especially this one, you're right. Like everyone's got that uncle. You're like, Oh, there's uncle. So-and-so again, Oh, he's going to tell one of those stories. Tell those again. Jokes. Like, oh. You know, you warn your girl, your friends like, Oh, don't go talk to uncle book. He likes to like look down girls dresses. And, like, oh you know. no, uncle book wouldn't do that. Girl. Okay. So can I like give you something that I noticed? And I feel like this will change your whole idea on Uncle Buck. Oh, no. What is it? So he gets a call from Bob 
to come and take care of the kids, right? He does the clap, clap yeah. on, psh, 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 and he claps yeah. on, and he turns the lights on. If you pay attention, there's someone in his bed, and it's not Shanice because he it's calls not? her. He calls her, and she's like, "Oh, you're not coming." But there's someone in his bed, definitely. Oh no! Yeah, it took me till this week to actually notice that because he's either he's even on the phone and he looks over at the body that's in the bed, like kind of like, oh, they didn't wake up, okay, like kind of deal. How did I not notice this? It's about like eleven minutes in. Go ahead and look. There's somebody in his bed. So Uncle Buck is not the most, you know. He's not the nicest guy. Now it makes more sense that he can be accused of cheating of because I was always like cheating with mercy. That's the neighbor, right? Yeah. I was always like, why is she on him so hard? Like, who cares? I know. It's because he's out there laying the pipe on other chicks. Damn, Uncle Buck laying the pipe. I'm like disappointed as fuck. Yeah, it's yeah, that made me a little sad when I noticed that. Uh, that is why I gave it a 92%. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> don't you fucking dare. Don't you dare. I'm just kidding. But um, John Hughes, yes, love him. We are definitely going to do more of his movies. So we will definitely have more fun facts for you. Uh, yeah, we can't give everything away just so quickly because yeah, we're, we're definitely doing a lot of his movies. We're just a little bit of a tease over here. Give you a little Stop bit of taste of that John Stop Hughes. Stop it. Stop <laughs> John Hughes. I will say that I'm excited to partake because I was thinking about it earlier today. I love like a John Hughes movie makeout session, like back to back John Hughes movie marathon. It's so like angsty and romantic, like make out with for hours, like your teenagers again. Ugh, it's my favorite. I've only done it a couple of times. Okay. So if, you know, I mean, a lot of times. <laughs> let's just say I invite you over. What movie Ooh. do I have to pop in to get those lips? <laughs> <laughs> Which one do I got to start let's with? Start, I would probably say to really get me going the groove, probably either Ferris Bueller's Day Off or Some Kind of Wonderful. I thought you were going to say like 16 Candles or something. I used to be a big fan of 16 Candles. I actually watched that movie ridiculously. Like, oh my God, Jake. Oh my God. But I guess I just kind of grew over it. Like I, I got, I not over it, but there's like Pretty in Pink too. You got to love Pretty in Pink. That'd be on the list yep. for sure. I definitely, uh, we had a, I, the last time I went over to Jason and Smashley's house, what's up? Burr, burr, burr. They have been having, during quarantine, a John Hughes marathon from his very first movie to the end. And I think that they're doing, uh, I don't know if they're just doing movies that he directed. or if He's directed. But I'm pretty sure they're doing movies that he's written. So the last time I was over there, we were watching Pretty in Pink. And it Ooh, just. Ooh, which I. What? I just, I can't, I can't wait for us to do that movie because I can't wait to talk about the, the details of that film. That it film. Took just, me it's, back. I mean, it's so, yeah. oh God. It took me back to being super young and watching this old movie and like Ducky dancing through the record shop is like uh, cinematic gold. Like it's one of my favorite. Yeah. And who knew that corny dude turned into like three and a half men? Who man, was even I know, cornier? I know. <laughs> He's such a cutie, Ducky. Who would ever not choose Ducky? Like that just. <sighs> mm -hmm. But yeah, we will Anyways, John Hughes. We will talk. Later. 
We will John Hughes a ton later. But thank you, John Hughes. Sending off. Dio de Mortas was just with us. So maybe he still lingers. Thank you. Yeah. And let's jump into uh, the man, the the legend, the Uncle Buck. Uncle Mister fucking Buck. He's so cute. John Candy. John Candy. Ugh, my heart. Okay, so before we go into him, do you want to know who was up for this role? Oh, yes, please. There is let's a talk shit about it. ton of people who were up oh, a shit ton of people. for this role. So, yeah. buckle up. All right. The first one that I saw was Danny DeVito was originally mm-hmm. up for Uncle Buck, which I think would have been, I don't think it would have been that bad. I think it would have been good. Danny DeVito, no? I don't see Danny DeVito. Okay. Robin Williams, definitely would have loved that. Definitely would have loved that. Jack Nicholson, I feel like that would have been a little scary. That would have that put the whole Uncle Buck on a terrifying spectrum. Would have done really, really well. But it would have been endearing to see Jack Nich- Nicholson to do a, like a sweet Something uncle sweet, right? character. Because I feel like during that time he was doing such serious roles. Yeah. Well, at that time he was end up doing Batman. So that Oof. was... But yeah, we wouldn't have had him as the we Joker. We wouldn't have had, had the Joker terrifying. without him. Because this movie... Before I move on, this movie was ranked number 18 of the year 1989, and it was in mm-hmm. between Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and Batman. Ah, no shit. <laughs> yeah. Rick Moranis. Mm-hmm. So Tom Cruise was also up for this role, which I think is strange. I'm glad that one didn't yeah, go through. Yeah, I, I, I'm happy that didn't happen, to be honest. This one I would have been very okay with. Tom Hanks, but he turned it down to do Turner and Hooch. So I guess that was, yeah. we wouldn't have Turner and Hooch without him. No, I wouldn't have been so mad without it, it, Bill Murray. I would have loved Bill Murray. I know that he I was up Bill for Murray. it. So was Jim Belushi was also up for this role. Mm-hmm. But John Travolta turned down this role. I, I don't know if I could have saw John Travolta, but he turned it down to do Look Who's Talking. So we needed Look Who's Talking. I fucking love Look Look Who's Talking. And I'm glad he turned that down. I love the first Look Who's Talking for sure. I absolutely Uh-oh. love the second one. The, no, don't give me get Roseanne. as the girl, baby. Don't no. give me Roseanne. Roseanne, Roseanne in 2020 is definitely canceled in my book. But in 1990, yeah. whatever, when that one came out, she was not. I was no. still watching Roseanne. And I liked no. her and Bruce Willis's. I liked it. And Bruce I liked the one with Willis. the dogs. No, you can't. It was a Christmas one. I know. It's so bad. You're so sad. And there was a like... poodle. I love poodles. And the other one was like a German Shepherd mutt. Like, ugh, come on. <laughs> come on. Stop. Get out of here. I loved it. But Oof. I'm glad that John Travolta turned Uncle Buck down so he could do Look Who's Talking. Because I love Look Who's Talking. I did like the first one a lot. It was Joe Pesci. He turned down Uncle mm-hmm. Buck to do Lethal Weapon 2, which I'm so <laughs> glad that he did that. Actually, because yeah, because that's a good sequel. That was a good sequel. There was a lot of sequels that actually came out this year. Ghostbusters 2, Lethal Weapon 2, Indiana Jones 2. Like There was like the year of the sequels that year. And look at this was an original. This was an original. Okay. Here's John some Hughes other- never had to do a sequel. He didn't. He never Except did. Except for Home Alone 2. No, he did. He did Home Alone 2. Did he but write? he wrote that. He wrote it? Uh-huh. 
Oh, okay. I thought he just produced it or, you know, he got credit because he wrote the characters. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, that's a lot of times what happens. No, he wrote Lost in he wrote Lost in New York. Oh and he also actually wrote Home Alone Three. He should not Are you sure he wrote that and they just didn't credit the characters? Because that one (laughs) sucked. I didn't realize he wrote because I thought that he had only because the same year he wrote Flubber in 1997. It's Flubber. I don't even like and that movie either. That was a what? Get out of here! I love Flubber. I love Flubber. <sighs> Stop it! That's how I feel. And then he when you talked about <laughs> yeah. my fucking look who's talking to bitch. <laughs> you're not even joking. I know you're not even joking. <laughs> Thank you so much right now. <laughs> I got more people who were up for Uncle Buck. Literally, they asked every funny man in fucking Hollywood. Yeah. Chevy Chase, uh, Steve Martin, Michael Keaton, Dan Aykroyd, even Ed O'Neill were up for these roles. I know. Oh, my God. One person that I would have been interested in to seeing what it would have been is John Goodman was also up for this role. Yeah. But he I would have didn't loved, get I think it. John Goodman would have been amazing. He didn't get it. And in 1994, no. for the Flintstones, John Candy was up for the role for Fred Flintstone because it was his favorite character, favorite cartoon as a kid growing up. But he passed away, and so he wasn't able to do it, and they gave it to John Candy. So that's a, a weird connection of them two. Interesting. I feel like John Candy had such a... He, he was just a very specific character. Like, everything he does. Oh, my God. I remember him in Splash. <laughs> like, it's just... When he created a character, he created a character. John Goodman did the same as well. I guess they could be interchangeable. But I guess... I don't know. I see difference. I see it. I see them as totally different. I see difference for the fact that John Goodman does not do comedies as often as John Candy did. John Goodman does do comedies. Obviously, he's on Roseanne and the Connors. Mm-hmm. And so, like, he does... His timing is very good. I think that he would have been a great uncle yeah. where the critics were talking about how they wanted Uncle... They didn't believe Uncle Buck being really mean. I think you would have b- believed John Candy, like, threatening <laughs> Buck. Mm-hmm. Like, that would have been quite believable. Yeah, because... Yeah, John Candy is so jolly. He gives all such a jolly attitude and a jolly affair, you know? Yeah, we should definitely do Splash. I forgot I love that movie. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. But, like, can I insert, like, a fun fact, though? Ooh, give it to me. Fun fact! This is our first fun fact of the episode. Fun fact! It is. So, like, I love the, I love the fact that, like, with all of these things, though, John Candy wasn't the last one to ever be Uncle Buck. Because they tried twice to make this into a series, a television series. And I effing love it that, like, CBS tried it first. It was in 1990. They tried to get Kevin Meany to get to be Uncle Buck, which he's a comedian. He's super funny, but it didn't take off. And then they tried again. I actually remember this one. I don't know if you remember this one. In 2016, they tried to get Mike Epps to be in 2015 to 2016. And tried him to be Uncle Buck. And they got through one season. I think it was 18 episodes, right? Yeah. And then they just didn't renew it, which made me really sad. Yeah. Mike Epps, Neil Long was but in I remember. it. Uh, I'm in. Not, eight, not 18. Eight episodes. Not 18. I, come on. We're in the new times where we don't get a full dozen of episodes. Uh, but yeah, but Mike Epps, Neil Long. I know. And we had Iman Benson, who is the daughter on Black AF, the one who does the... 
documentary. That was the first time I saw her. Uh I enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. I was watching it, hoping that it would come back. It was funny. And it didn't. But it did. I know. It did less episodes than the first one. The first one that you talked about that came out in 1990, they made 22 episodes, but they did not air the last six episodes of that series. So it never even got like a finale. I don't know if you know this, Mm -mm. but in 1991, they remade this movie again. And it's an Indian Uncle Buck. It's called Uncle Bun. And it's a musical. So it's like an Indian Bollywood musical. So we should definitely give that one a goog and a look. That's pretty cool. I saw that and I was like, I'm going to look for it. Yeah. (laughs) As long as I can get the subtitles, I am down. And it said that it follows. Really cool. From what I read, it says it follows. Uh, yeah, you know, pretty much the story of like a ghetto ass uncle coming through and you know trying to take care of these people's kids. <laughs> <laughs> I love you called Uncle Buck Ghetto. He is ghetto. You're funny as shit. He is ghetto. He's just white, <laughs> so you don't to think. That. Cheers, Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck. He's white, so you don't think that he's ghetto, but that motherfucker. I ghetto. just love that you, I just love that you called it ghetto. <laughs> I love it. Uncle Buck may be described as a lot of things. Ghetto is one of them. Ghetto is definitely <laughs> one of them. Now, you're welcome. Let's get a little bit into one of our favorites, John Candy. We've talked about him on the show numerous of times, at least two. Mm-hmm. He was in Vacation. Yeah. Where he plays the security guard at Wally World. So we talked about him in Little Shop. He makes Shop. a cameo appearance in Little Shop. Yeah, he is the DJ. So we, we've we talked about him briefly on this uh, show, but this is the first time where he was our star. So I'm going to give you guys a little bit of... He is the that's star not, of That is definitely not true because we talked about him in Cool Runnings as well. So we have had him on here. Oh, yeah. Definitely talked about him in Cool Runnings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I loved that episode. I loved that episode. Yeah. God, we have so many episodes now. It's starting to get hard to remember. Feel the ride. Come on, y'all. It's bobsled time. Cool audience. So here's a little bit about John Candy that I found. John Candy is a Canadian, if you didn't know about it. He is a Canadian. And he grew up. Oh, eh? Yeah. Outside of Toronto. And... He kind of had, like, you know, a little bit of a hard life. When he was at the age of five, his dad died at the age of 35 from a heart attack. So for the rest of his life, John kind of always had a fear that he was something was going to happen to his heart. And so he just, you know, had that in the back of his mind. He went on to go and do a bunch of sports, like football and rugby And he was pretty good at, like, what he did. Eventually, he ended up going to school and becoming friends with a lot of celebrities that we, Canadian celebrities, comedians that we know and love today. And he met most of them on the SCTV, Second City TV, where... Second City, Toronto, baby. Pretty much every single funny Canadian comedian that was from the... 70s through now 80s came probably most likely came off of that show they like Catherine O'Hara oh yeah who also is one of his best friends was one of so his Ka- best Eugene Levy Catherine Eugene O'Hara Levy. best friends yeah there's John Belushi John- Dan Aykroyd 
literally all I need you to do is just look up the list of the people that Gilda Radner. And you'll My just, Gilda Radner. You've heard us talk about him before, uh, this Second City before, but so many, so many people came from there. Second City became pretty popular, yeah. and he was one of the founding members. And so once it became like, you know, nationwide or worldwide kind of deal, he came back onto the show. He did so good that Saturday Night Live asked him to jump ship and to join Saturday Night Live. But he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't leave his Canadian friends, man. He would not leave them. He was like, what are you talking about? Um, (laughs) (laughs) So SCTV (laughs) aired after Saturday Night Live during the 70s. So people got to see both of these sketch shows back to back, which, like I said, made superstars. He, Uh He has made more appearances in John Hughes movies than anybody. Did you know that? He's been in seven John Hughes yeah, movies. He's they're like classic for each other. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Yes. So he is in vacation, planes, trains, automobiles. And this movie, he's in Home Alone. He's in The Great Outdoors. The Great Outdoors. He just worked with John Hughes. I bet they worked really well together. Like they could just mention something and They'd be like, oh, yeah, like a lot like how Jordan Peele would say things and he'd get actors to understand what he's saying by making them watch things. I feel like they had already that connection where they didn't have to. Plus, John Kennedy is such a talented mm-hmm. person. You kind of just can't let him go. Can I tell you another person who he was yeah. friends with? So John Candy and the great yeah. one, Wayne Gretzky, were actually really good friends. And they owned, they were both co-owners of like the Toronto football team. Oh, Yeah, him and the great one. I love that. Everyone just wanted to be friends with John Candy. It's yeah. pretty freaking awesome. Yeah. I would want to, I really want to be friends with John Candy. Me too. I've always wanted to. I've loved his movies. I love like, you know, obviously this one, planes, trains, Me- automobiles, space balls. I love cool runnings. Yeah, he's like my favorite part of a rookie of the year. Like this dude has literally been in everything. I love uh, Summer Rental, which everything. is one of my fucking favorite summer movies to watch. He he's just so funny, and he rem- he makes me feel happy. And I've always been super sad that like by the time he died, I didn't really know who he was. Like I knew who he was. He was Uncle Buck, and he was like the Polka King in home alone but like it took me a long time to realize like john candy is like amazing i love him i wasn't the only one who loved him everybody on set talked about how nice he was and how great it was working with them and even is it jen who plays tia in the movie yes she turned 17 in the making of this movie and he bought her her 17 year old cake and it said on it she was just 17 and you 17. know what I mean. Yeah, so after the Beatles, he put that on the, her cake. And I thought that was super cute. I fell in love with, with her. her. John Candy, what a nice guy. They, John Candy was a sweet guy. He, uh, Macaulay Culkins actually had problems with lines for their, like, 38 question. Are you my dad's brother? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? 38. I'm your dad's brother, all right. Oh, I love this. It wasn't even 38 questions, but like. No, you don't get to the full 38, which makes me so sad. 
Yeah, they couldn't. He couldn't remember his lines. He made flashcards and he taped them to his head so that he I could say that. the lines fast enough so that it would be that quick back and forth banner. And McCullough Culkins talks about how, like, he was very nervous because he was good with his lines. But just that scene was just something that he couldn't get. And John Caddy just kind of made it fun and cool. He taped it onto his head. So you don't see it during the wide mm-hmm. shots or the close up of Uncle Buck. But yeah. when there's no when there's a close up of Miles, he has those lines on there. So mm-hmm. I absolutely think that is so great helping out a younger actor who's having some problems so we can get this wonderful scene that well, I it's, love. it's such a good that that scene itself like there's a lot of there's a lot of dialogue that happens in this film like john hughes is just you can tell his writing and that's what makes me so happy like i was watching this with someone who had never seen uncle before and so i, I love getting to see that and i i watched it with someone who likes to ask a lot of questions while we're watching the movie which doesn't annoy me too much because when i've seen it but when I haven't seen it, I'm like, I don't know all the answers. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but it was really cute because they just naturally were like, oh, my God, it sounds just like Home Alone. Is it home? Is, is this the same writer? And I'm like, yeah, it's John Hughes. Sure is. Like, oh, my God, it's this is so iconic. His dialogue is so quick. And this scene in particular, though, is just so snappy. It's so perfect. It's like, boom, 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 boom. And um, do you have a wife? No. <laughs> Where do you live? The city. You have a house? Apartment. Owner rent. Rent. What do you do for a living? Lots of things. Where's your office? I don't have one. How come? I don't need one. Where's your wife? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? It's an even longer story. Are you my dad's brother? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? 38. I'm your dad's brother, all right. You have much more hair on your nose than my dad. How nice of you to notice. I'm a kid. That's my job. I'm a kid. That's my job. (laughs) (laughs) As a kid, I used to say that all the time. I'm a kid. I love it. Their banner back and forth is just so great. It's so fun and free. So good. And Uncle Buck is nicer than me because my nieces asked me 38 questions. And I'm always just like, I don't even care anymore. I don't know. Go, go away. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, Uncle Buck's got a lot of patience. Well, because that was like one of Macaulay Culkin's first films. Yeah. He was so young and so, like, fresh in his career during that film. He was. But before we move on to that, Kitty Patootie, I got one more. I got a fun, fun, funny fact. Are you ready? Funny, funny, fun fact? Let's do it. Oh, my God. Give it to me. Okay. So, John Candy was known as a man who indulged in a lot of things drugs cigarettes mm-hmm. and alcohol cocaine cocaine yeah, yeah. he mm-hmm. like after john belushi died he gave up cocaine because it like made him so sad and depressed uh losing someone that he idolized which i would not idolize that man personally but i could see why he would he second city airs second city airs stick together yeah he definitely loved to drink especially when they were in chicago filming this movie so one day him Uh and someone from the production team went out for a couple drinks at a local bar and they had a great time he's sitting there smoozing with the locals taking pictures Telling jokes. People are just loving him. Everybody's like, oh my God, I went to the so-and-so bar and John Candy was there. And he was just like buying his drinks and like living it up. And so after that, he went home. And the next morning when John Hughes was on his way and go filming, he heard on the radio locals 
retelling their tale of meeting the famous John Candy in, in the local bar and all the fun that they had with him. And this pissed John Hughes off. He was not about it. He was not happy about yeah. his actor being out there showing his ass pretty much when he's supposed to be back here in the morning doing shit. So by the time John Candy got onto set, he looked at him and he like basically chewed him out for doing something like that. But I mean, I have to give it to John Candy because he was like, look, Buck is supposed to look disheveled and drunk. I don't know why you're tripping. Like, I'm literally being Uncle Buck right now. John Hughes was not about it. Exactly. He canceled all of John Candy's shoots for the day. Sit his ass home and told him to go to sleep, sober up, and come back tomorrow. <laughs> was not playing. So bad. To be honest with you, I definitely would have not canceled his days. And I would have made him go on and been Uncle Buck. And I would have just kind of seen how it went. Ooh, love that. So that was a little bit of funny, funny, fun fact. But I like it. John, he had party that night with the music, the music supervisor. Is that the, who it was? Yeah, somebody. It was, his name was Gotch. Well, I, I remember it specifically because when I read this story, I'll never forget. The dude's name was Gotch. I'm like, that is a really cool name. Yo, I'm the like, Gotch. Yo, check out my friend Gotch. He makes good scotch. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I would have been so down with this dude. I've been like. Yo, Gotch, what's up? What's up? Where the party at? <laughs> yeah. When John Candy talks about how he's on the five-step plan, how he's going from cigarettes oh, to yeah? cigars to whatever, whatever. To cigars. To the patch. Pipe smoke to chewing tobacco and then to the nicotine gum. John Candy had been smoking since he was like a preteen and constantly smoked, went through a pack a day kind of man oh jesus five years from when this movie was released john canny died of a heart attack in mexico in the year 1994 so we didn't get to have more movies of his which makes me so sad because like cool running was like the first time that i feel like our generation really got to meet him and it was so late in his life mm -hmm. that like by the time we realized who he was he was already passed you know at least He's that's already gone at least that's how i feel you know being a millennial like cool runnings came out i loved it you know i remember watching the great outdoors and this and he was the poker king on home alone like i remember him in so many things as a kid that like when i found out he died i was just like what the fuck I don't get any more movies of this dude. I know. And you you just feel so robbed. And it's it, not a day goes by that it, not not a day, but like not a show goes by or a film that I feel like John Kenny would have been a part of this. I could see him in this. Like, I know for a fact that Eugene Levy would have figured out a way to get John Candy on Shit's Creek somehow. He would have been a really cool townsperson. Like, no, I he would have been the mayor, man. There, that he had so much more to give. I know. Oh, well, I mean, rolling shit. I think he would have been a rolling shit. Too good. Because they love each other so much. He could have been, uh, been Bob. But he he could have been Bob. He could have been a really good Bob, though. Yeah. I still haven't finished season six. I, I just can't bring myself to do it. I'm like halfway through it. And I'm like. I'm I not going to tell you. I just don't want to see it. I just can't. I will. But yeah, we will definitely talk about Jan John Candy again. Because Plane, Trains, and Automobiles is one of my favorites. Also, Home Alone. I love that movie. Maybe also next summer. We're definitely doing this. Summer rental. I don't know. Anything. But Anything. He's definitely going to be back on our show. We will have more fun facts on him. Splash. Because I love me some Tom Hanks and some Daryl Hannah. Girl. 
You know, you know I love Tom Hanks. Bitch. Girl. Bitch. I love Tom Hanks. You know I love the Hanks. Okay. I love it. Chicky. Who do you want to talk about? Speaking of our little chicky friend, let's get, we got to go into Macaulay Culkin. We got to go into Macaulay Culkin. Macaulay Culkin. We got to talk about the main. This kid is a born entertainer. He, he was is, born to entertain. He is very good like, in this movie. This is probably the first time most people saw him. And uh, he... He he had a, a weird life. I'm I'm just gonna give you a brief stroke because this is not the last movie of his that we will be talking about. But I do want to give you a nice little background since this is the first. Yeah, we we're not gonna go in too too deep because we're talking a lot. We're gonna talk the shit out of Macaulay Culkin for Home Alone if we ever do that one, please. Well, yeah, we'll see. My girl, good son. I mean, there's so many. So we're gonna do Macaulay Culkin. He was born. And he is the third child out of seven. His parents are not married, but they were together for like 20-something years. And they had all these gang of Macaulay Culkin kids. His dad was an actor on the old Broadway. And so was Macaulay Culkin. He started off doing the theater mm-hmm. before he moved to screen. And, yes, he does. you know, raising seven kids with on an artist's salary is something... That is impossible. So he had the kids out there bussing during, you know, times when they really needed money in the subway on the street, singing, dancing, acting to kind of get some extra change into the motherfucking house. It kind of like paid off because eventually Macaulay Hogan learned how to move an audience to remember his lines and to do what he needs to do. Obviously, most of his time was during like the 80s and 90s but he'd done like small bit parts prior to uncle buck and then after that he did see you in the morning which i think is the smallest part in that one too but the big one that we noticed is home alone and he also was in my girl home alone too yeah he is he's in the michael jackson black and white video the good son which is one of my favorites of his because he is Fucking the good song with Elijah Wood. With oh baby my Elijah god, Wood. that movie is trippy and psychologically crazy. Yes, I loved the movie. And Richie then he did Rich. the Nutcracker. He did the Nutcracker. I love Richie Rich. He did that, which was a fucking good one. Uh, don't skip over the Page Master. I know you're not going to skip over the Page Master. Whoa, I haven't even the Page Master. I thought I Richie can't. Rich came after Page Master. I'm so sorry. No, Richie Rich came in '94 at Page Master, and then he like, took a little hiatus. Uh well I mean I feel like he took a little hiatus in the late nineties by the time of the it's page ninety four ma- oh yeah oh it is ninety four yeah he took a little November twenty third is when the page master came out and December twenty first is when Richie Rich came out I fucking love Richie Rich the page master is good but Richie Rich was my shit I wanted to have a I McDon- love Richie Rich I wanted to make McDonald's in my house in his house are you kidding me <laughs> I wanted that I wanted that. <laughs> But then he kind of like did sparsely here and there doing a certain things. But then he did one of my favorite movies, Party Monster. I am obsessed with this movie. This movie set such a tone for my whole life. (laughs) For college. Like, no joke. This movie inspired me so much. Is that why I had to chase you topless down the street when you were running topless down the street? Shit. <laughs> That's not the first person to say that either. <laughs> that was, and won't be the last, I promise. I, I hope I'm not the last. Um, but yeah, I think that we should have a month of like a true crime month 
of really true Ooh. events that happened. So like Party Monster, like the Zodiac. Party Monster would totally be on that Like, month. you know what I'm talking about? Like some real true crime ones. I'm going to throw that in there. I like that. Okay. Anyway, but he was in Saved in 2004, which I also loved, where he was in a wheelchair. He was super cool. Oh, I cool love in that, that one. with Mandy Moore. He's with Mandy, Mandy Moore, that bitch. <laughs> yeah. She was a bitch, but he was cool in a wheelchair. Uh, but yeah. yeah. And then he did things here and there. Can I really quickly insert a little fun fact? Give it to me. Or it's not really a fun fact, it's more of like a celebrity sightings, but like, okay. I love Macaulay Culkin. I really love him. I love him so much. When he started doing this band in 2013, it was a parody for the Velvet Underground. It was called the Pizza Underground. It was him <laughs> and a bunch of his friends. They only like were together and like toured and did music for I think five years. And mainly it was it started off being like silly videos, them just singing and doing these parodies with like pizza <laughs> for the songs for the Velvet Underground. I went in San Francisco with a good friend of mine to the show <laughs> for the Pizza Underground at Neck of the Woods in the Richmond District. Do you remember that place? I do. Who'd you go with? My friend Katie Atchison. Oh. We go way, way back. I don't remember you yeah. going to go see him. I would have went to go see Macaulay Culkin talk I, about pizza. I have a necklace still. Is it a pizza slice? I have a necklace and everything. It's a pizza. The pizza slice with a music note on it. And on the back, it says P-U. Wow. <laughs> For I pizza know that, underground. Did you get a free pizza slice? I heard they passed those out at the, at the concerts. They passed out pizza boxes. It wasn't just a pizza slice. They they crowd surfed pizza. Boxes, boxes and boxes and boxes of pizza. It was amazing. We definitely both got a slice. That's what's up. It was up. unbelievable. Everybody was hammered. Like, everybody was having a good time. Everybody was partying. It just was such an experience that I can't even explain. They, at one point, got off the stage and, like, made a little, like, circle on the floor. That, and we were all around them. It was pretty neat. It was very intimate. It was really fun. That's crazy. That is super cool. I'm jelly wow, that you what? went to that fucking concert. I need- uh, it was one of my proudest Macaulay Culkin moments. <laughs> oh, one of Okay, so Macaulay Culkin, uh, he was the highest paid child actor in the 90s. He was the first child actor to get a mm-hmm. million dollar check. And that says a lot because I know that we talk about it a lot, especially last month with movies that were like littered with children. Well, iCarly. Well, yeah, like our Car- iCarly. But I'm talking about like, you know, all the movies that we did last month all had a bunch of children in it, especially like It the majority of the cast was children and they're not making a million dollars to make that movie. You would yeah. think they would. I mean, I don't know how much they're making. No. Macaulay Hawkins is making a million dollars because he could sell it. And by the time he was making that, that's when my girl came out. So he's not even the star of my girl and he's getting paid more than the girl who is the star of my girl. <laughs> no, he deserved it too. Just to trace back to that Miranda Cosgrove from iCarly, we had talked about last month. She is and set the standard for the highest paying child TV star. Mm-hmm. When she was doing iCarly, she set that she set that bar, and that's she was officially the highest paying child in a television show. Sorry, but, but, but back to where we were. Um, no, like he he set like a whole new standard. He was like the original OG, cute little Leonardo DiCaprio. Like everybody was obsessed with this little boy. Like you had yeah. he was like a weird little heartthrob, but you couldn't like romanticize him because he's just this sweet darling innocent little child with his little pouty lips 
And I think that attributes a lot to why he took a little hiatus is that he wanted to get out of that stereotype as an actor and performer. Like, I'm not this little kid. Don't treat me like the son you all never had or want to have. I definitely think that he is uh, amazing. And him being a child actor and the things that he's done, like, if you haven't seen The Good Son, you definitely should do it. He, I mean, Elijah Wood is a great actor, a great child you actor. You should see it. But Macaulay Culkin's does kill kill it in that in that movie but macaulay culkin had a really good relationship with michael jackson so good that macaulay culkin's is the godfather to michael jackson's two oldest children so prince and paris yeah he is and he still parties with prince and paris like paris you know she's She's older now, and she she definitely parties with him. And they even have gotten matching tattoos together. They have matching he's tattoos. Cool. I love that. Yeah, and if yeah. you you don't think he's old, I mean, he's forty this year. So I mean, like he's like, he's getting up there. That's not old. It's not old, but I mean, getting it, up there. Get out of here. <laughs> the reason why I say that is You're because mean. when I You're see evil. him. No. When I see him, I see him in Home Alone. I see him in Uncle Buck, Richie Rich, The Good Son. These are what I, when I think of Macaulay Culkin, that's what you think of. You don't think that the motherfucker's 40, right? No. See, that, I'm not saying he's old. Yeah. He's not. My brother is 40. You said he was old. He's Retract getting up there. It. He's older. Retract the statement. You said. He's older he's, than us. He's older. But like. What's really fucking exciting, and I don't know if you're ready, so hold on to your panties. Are you ready for this? Hold on, let me get my panties. Okay. Get your panties. Got them. Disney Plus has already done negotiations and are set to start filming the new Home Alone. And Macaulay Culkin has signed on to return. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Because I have lost all faith in all the other Home Alones and... Once I saw him do that commercial where he's like an adult him talking to like Alexa, telling her to do all the homework. Oh, in the car? He's the Uber driver? I was just like, you know what? This could happen. He's he's funny. I'm happy to see him if he comes back into the world. Like, he's the first time I knew what emancipation meant. (laughs) Macaulay Culkin. Nice. I didn't know that you could Mm -hmm. get away from your parents if you wanted to. No one tells children this. I'm going to emancipate myself. I'm going to emancipate myself. That's really, really cute. No, yeah. I mean, they already announced it on August 2019. Disney Plus is going to, they're going to release it under the Disney Plus logo. Damn, they're uh, killing us. They're killing us with all these good Disney shit. I know. Disney has a, Disney has a hold for sure. Okay. So because of him being famous as a child, Macaulay Culkin has agoraphobia. Which means that he has a fear of large crowds, which makes a lot of sense. Um, So you most likely won't see him drinking and swaying at Coachella because that's just too many people for him. And uh, totally understandable. Intimate bar affairs with his band, he's very comfortable with. Yeah, I did hear that they never did like stadiums or anything. They just did smaller videos. Yeah, he was okay. There wasn't a lot. We weren't, I mean, we weren't jam packed in like there was a comfortable crowd there's only so many a lot of us at a time they even like it, it wasn't even just like the venue the the band itself was like you can't let this many people in after a certain point 
So that was really cool because it, it made it just such an intimate set. Like, again, like we were all just like hanging out, chilling. It was really cool. Agoraphobia, so, man. That's probably why. Poor guy can't do crowds. One, I got one more fun Damn. fact about him. I don't know what that life would be like. <laughs> Have you heard of Bunny Ears? Bunny Ears? The game? <laughs> no. Okay. So Macaulay Culkin has a, I'm going to say a lifestyle company called Bunny Ears. And it's like a podcast, oh. a website, lifestyle on the podcast, which I haven't listened to yet. Apparently it talks to a bunch of child stars or old, you know, stars and ask some questions and just kind of more of a lifestyle feel. Now, when I went on their website, there was like a very nice drunken video set in like April of Macaulay Culkin wearing ears in front of a fireplace drinking wine and telling us to subscribe to his shit. So if you are interested into what the fuck Macaulay Culkin has to says, say, I would say go on to bunnyears.com or podcast or YouTube and hear what he has to say. Honestly, I thought you were talking about that drinking game. You don't remember that drinking game in college where you did bunny ears, yeah. bunny ears, bunny ears, and then everyone puts their thumbs down and the last person. Yeah, that's not what I was talking about, but I definitely know what you're talking about. Can I give you a fun fact? Yes, please give me a fun fact. Well, there's one of my favorite scenes in this movie is when Uncle Buck is throwing Miles his party and Miles' mom ordered a clown. Mm -hmm. What's the matter? You don't like clowns? Yeah, about five years ago. I was so bored to make me puke. And the kids are like, aw, man, a fucking clown. And the drunk-ass clown comes up to the door, barely can ring the doorbell. Do you know who plays? I'm Pooter the Clown. Pooter the Clown? Pooter the Clown, I do. It's Mike Starr. We definitely talked about him in movies prior. It's Mike uh, Starr. Because he is was in The Last Dragon. Dumb and Dumber. And he's in Dumb and Dumber. Place the gas man. <laughs> How do you know I got gas? <laughs> I know. Um, Edward. I love him in Edward. He's in Edward. He's in so many fucking things. You definitely Good have fellas. seen him in from Goodfellas. We talked about him in Goodfellas. But he plays mm -hmm. the clown, Pooter the Clown, which I would have never fucking known if I didn't do this episode this week. I didn't know that was him. It like even listening oh. to him, it like kind of sounds like him, but does it? And that makeup makes it so hard to like see his face. And I feel like he kind of disguises his voice because he has a very distinct voice. He does. And I really feel like some for some reason he disguised it a little bit being Pooter the clown, which I always get really sad in this because like all the kids are like, oh clowns, like what are we babies? And then you see Miles, and Miles is like. Like, like you definitely see the look on his face like he likes clowns and that's why his mom totally got him a fucking clown one but um we just talked about why clowns are not liked in the it episode and we did we also talked about how clowns clowns we also talked about how you know faces change with the makeup and that's why he went to the mm -hmm. audition for it in full makeup now i yep. have seen mike star through his entire career and would have definitely been able to pick him out if he didn't have makeup on his face. But that makeup was so mm -hmm. good that you can't even tell it's him. I just wanted to say that one because I thought that was pretty cool. I didn't know that was him. He gets punched in the face. Lion, four flushing sack of shit. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I just got off work at a bachelorette party. At a bachelorette party. <laughs> hey, you need 
you need dildo jokes? I'm the guy. <laughs> Sir, are you drunk? You know, you have a little, you had a little something like this before. He's like, yeah, but not when I'm about to entertain some kids. Kids, yeah. Like, fuck off, man. I'll give you another fun fact real quick. Since we okay. were just talking about Macaulay Culkin, this movie inspired Home Alone. So the scene where Miles is sitting at the door looking through the slot, waiting mm-hmm. for Uncle Buck's girlfriend to show up. And he opens it up and he sees the three robbers looking at him. And he closes it and he's super scared. He even asks her, like, May I see your driver's license, ma'am? She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you take it out of the right. wallet? Thank you. You want me to take it out? <laughs> so good. Was kind of what inspired Home Alone. John Hughes saw that, loved it, yeah. thought it was funny, kind of went home and dealt with the idea of what if we just left Macaulay Culkin home alone in a house and robbers came. So you guys can thank Uncle Buck for creating one of the best uh, Christmas movie of all time. Also written by John Hughes. He's the man. He's the man. Uh, I just really want to intro- I, I just want to say and talk a little bit about Gabby. Hoffman. Please. Uh, we don't have to go into too much detail because we'll definitely I really want to watch the movie with you now and then. Oh my god, and yes, 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 yes. So much, yeah, so we're going to go into a lot of detail about her, but we do have to give her a shout out because she is so smart and she's so funny in this film. She's the counterpart to Macaulay Culkin. I I really honestly think she has just as much quirk and and just as much like perfect character as Macaulay Culkin has in this film. She also has a very solid, beautiful child actor career. She started off in Field of Dreams. Uh, I know. Sleepless in Seattle, and then she goes into Now and Then, Man Without a Face, like, and it just keeps on going. Two hundred cigarettes, and then uh, coming soon. Perfume, oh my god, and then thirteen. Yep, yep. Obvious Child. More recently, she's done like Obvious Child. Come on, come on. She's in Transparent, which if nobody's watched it, it's an Amazon Prime television show. It's freaking incredible. If you haven't watched it yet, you should definitely go watch it because it is amazing. But she's just such an incredible actress. She has such a wide range and variety. She's also on that television show, Girls. Uh, She plays the uh, sister to Adam. Which is always, she's really entertaining. She's kind of crazy. She's like this hippie that has a baby and then like gives up the baby, but then like comes for the baby. It's a lot. She's not, she's around the same age as Macaulay too. I think she's only like 38, 39. Yeah. She's only a couple of years younger than him. And like yeah. you said, she was a child actress. She came from uh, her family. Her dad was a lawyer. Her mu- mom was a music teacher. And she... In New York. In New York. And she just kind of like got the acting bug. Her parents put her in like dance and tap and piano and singing to you know all of the performing arts kind of deal and just realized that she had something her father is an actor too he's on the show the soap opera as the world turns right i never watched that so i don't really (laughs) i can't even tell you who he is but she is fantastic i love the Mm -hmm. way she looks today she looks so i love her eyebrows she has like very wacky crazy eyebrows i love them Mm -hmm. she kept the gap in her teeth she like is she's such an unconventional beauty in hollywood and that's what makes her so precious and so makes it makes her so real to me as an actor and she really becomes the characters and and didn't really just took a role to take a role to further herself into what she just wanted to be an actor 
get great parts, work with wonderful people. And she, you can tell she just has a natural, beautiful gift that she just wants to continue working and isn't really craving the celebrity fame life. She just wants to do good work and, or interesting or different or strange or, or what have you. And that's what I, I like about her. I, if all the work that she has, they all are just, they're just so good. She, all her characters are so beautiful. They're so, and she brings so much to them. Yeah. I love where she's like, the teacher's like, anything interesting happened to anybody this week? And she's like, my uncle was microwaving my socks and a dog threw up on the couch for about an hour. Microwave my socks. <laughs> he put it on the couch and the dog threw up. And he's like, why'd he put him in the microwave? Because he couldn't get the goddamn... can't get the goddamn washing machine to work. <laughs> Blasphemy! With the fucking ruler. Like, okay. Okay, in that scene, fun fact about that scene, in that scene, if you see her to the left side of the screen, you'll notice that the little girl sitting next to her is the same little girl from my girl, um, Annie, what's her face? Oh, yeah. From Veep. I love it. I didn't realize that she was, she makes a cameo in that. That's so cute. She makes a small cameo. So you'll look over to the left side of the screen and you'll see her. I'll keep an eye on that one. Fun fact about Gabby Hoffman. This one, my last thing. Um, I'm obsessed. She appears in a McGruff, the crime dog anti-drug ad with Drew Barrymore in 1989. Same time this movie came out. And I am obsessed. Oh, baby, Have you seen Drew, it? Do Drew. I need to send it to you? You need to send it to me. Yeah. So I could just be like, It is oh, the cutest thing ever. Oh, they were so adorable. I know. Don't worry, everybody that's listening. I'm going to put it on our Instagram so you all can enjoy it. All right. I like that fun fact. We will definitely talk about her again, not in Field of Dreams, but definitely 200 Cigarettes, because I love that fucking movie. That is a good, like, I new love Year. 200 Cigarettes. We might have to do that for a New Year's. It's a New Year's movie. That's totally a New Year's movie. Mm-hmm. The holiday, because we're doing holiday next month, right? It's next month. So, um, I got a fun fact for you. Do you want to know? Give me that fun fact. Do you want to yes, know I about know. The Real House or about Buck's car? The Buck's car. So the car noise that we hear when it backfires is the sound Uh of gunshots and firecrackers. That's what they used to make that noise. Uh Thank you, Foley. Thank you, Foley's, for giving me that beautiful Uncle Buck sound effect. I am not a backfiring car Uncle Buck. And when I love when he's like dropping Tia off at school, and she's like, "Have you ever been embarrassed like this before in your life?" And he's like, mm, "No." As I was uh, watching that, I was like, "I've definitely have been like that in my life." When I was in junior high, my dad had one of the old Dodge Ram vans, and by the time I uh-huh. was in junior high, this shit was like he bought this when I was born. And by the time I was junior high, we still had it. And so, like, it would, like, backfire all the fucking time. Kids would drive by our house and egg it so the paint was, like, chipping off of it. Like, it was, like, straight up ghetto-ass truck fan. And I used to be so embarrassed for him to drop me off in front of school that I'd make him drop me off around the corner and I'd walk the rest of the way so I wouldn't have to deal with, like... I couldn't have that. Not in junior high. Sorry. Uh-uh. Oh, my God. Uh-uh. So I definitely relate uh-uh. with Tia on that one. No, thanks, Chicky. Do you want to know who uh, 
was up for the part of Tia. Stop it. Tell me. Just tell me because I love her so much. Winona Ryder was up for Winona Ryder. But she turned it down to do Heathers. To do Heathers. Which we also have already done an episode of. Please Mm -hmm. go listen to Heathers. Since we're kind of talking about Tia, I love the part where Tia is laying in bed and we hear, you know, the heart do 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 Yes, the heartbeat. And then the phone rings. Mm-hmm. When something really bad happens, there are people who are just so in tuned with that shit that they can feel it before it happens. And so when I watch that, I feel like she knows something's about to happen before it even happens. Like she knows Absolutely. the phone's going to ring before it rings. Mm-hmm. I don't know. No, she knows because some family members are connected and I wish that they would have gone into detail about like what the relationship for her was with the grandfather, because like she obviously has very heavy ties to her family back in Indianapolis. And she does, she's not happy that they moved to the suburbs of Chicago. Like, so I always wondered what we were missing with that relationship because she's like, are we all going back to Indianapolis? And they're like, no, like, damn, I don't think misses their grandparents. Like, I feel like she's not missing her family in Minneapolis, in Chicago. She's missing her friends. She just misses her social life. Yeah, she's missing her friends. But I think that she's just mad that her parents made her just, like, get up and move. Because the line where she says, like, I miss my father. I love my father very much. So why did you move away from him? She says it's heartbreaking. She's like, I love my father. I love my father. Like, she says that, like... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pretend. I feel bad about not taking you. I love my father. I need to be there for him. She's like, then why did you move away from him? It's like, boom. Feel that one, bitch. Like that one's real. You know why I moved away from him? Because the city sucks for raising children. Like I get that. Or maybe dad got a better job, or she got a better job, and they, and they move. That just is something that happens. She didn't want to go. She didn't want to leave him. Mm-mm. No. But speaking about the mom, I do have a tiny beef with her. One, I love her phone call with Buck and how she just can't even hold it together. Where she's like, I she just can't. Say- I, I just want you to know it makes me feel very scared to know that you're there. Thank you very much. I'm so happy that you're there. Like, she's not sad that her dad's sick. She's sad that. Her dad's sick, and she had to leave this motherfucker with her kids. That's what she said. I love how at the end, she's like, Bob? 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 (laughs) Please, someone help me. My kids are stuck with this guy who allows our dog, who might not be alive when we come back, to drink the blue toilet water. (laughs) Exactly. He didn't even know how many times a dog should get fed during the I don't know, like like four or five? I should have told you. Four or five times? No, I should have told you once but i really do like that scene a lot as well because you get to see her daughter is listening on the phone when cindy russell the mother Mm -hmm. is talking to miles right when he got done doing the dishes they're having this cute little rapport she tells him that she loves him he extends the feelings to grandpa right hang in there and then he's like she's like go get uncle buck and he runs to go get uncle buck And her daughter just like clicks on. Right. And this is just such an intense scene because instead of like checking in on her grandfather or like talking to her mother and consoling her, she is so self-absorbed that she tries to like uh, degrade uncle Buck, tell lies about him. And the mother doesn't even believe her because she knows that her daughter is just like being 
out of control, rebellious. The next time you leave us alone, you might as well leave us with a serial killer. With a serial killer? He left Miles and Maisie alone, and he drinks. (laughs) Well, he does leave leave them alone, though. Like, he left them alone to go find Tia. Remember when they're at the party? And that's why he has to look through the mail slot. He He left left them alone alone for a small amount of time. Like... I get like that. Like 30 minutes. 30 minutes to an hour of them, which I guess is a long time for small children, but he had to he go find them. He was only supposed to be like eight in the film. It's the 80s. They eight, have eight kids all old. over the place. Eight-year-olds could walk okay. down to the liquor. In the 80s, eight-year-olds could walk down to the liquor store and buy cigarettes for their parents. That's what I'm saying. Like, times were different. That's so bad. Can I give you a fun fact? Okay. So, here's the fun fact. You So, you know when Buck goes to the party... And yeah. he's walking through the crowd, and young MC is playing. He's like, oh, "Hey, nice music! Who's that? The grassroots?" And he's talking about the popular 1960 band, the Grassroots. And if anybody is an Office fan, you'll know that Creed Brat Bratton is. A member of the Grassroots Band. And that's the Grassroots. I love that. I think I love that it. is super funny. I never realized that was Creed's group. Oh, yeah. Creed Bratton, baby. And all the articles that I read, nobody connected those two things together. But as soon as I read it, I was like, Grassroots? Isn't that the band that Creed was in? And then I started looking it up. I was like, oh, shit, that is the band that he was in. <laughs> But why does the mom have a problem with Buck's girlfriend selling tires? The trashy people he hangs out with? The, that woman who sells tires? I know. I think that's really demeaning and really stupid. And I really hated that comment. I'm like, wait, why are you trying to throw Shanice under the bus here? Like, she's a career woman. And all she does is sell tires. Like, what's wrong with being a mechanic auto parts dealer? Like, uh, she's because got a real not, job. At least It's she not has like a job. she works there. She owns it. Brought to you by Kobolowski Tires for the best in tires. See Shanice Kobolowski. Or her family she owns, it. owns it because it's Ex- Shanice Kropowski. Was it Kropowski Tires? But like she, <laughs> she is an owner of this company. It's not like she, of this company. She works there. She owns it. The lady who sells tire because the mom gives some shit. She's like he hangs out with like unsavory people and that that lady who sells tires. Like what the fuck? Yeah. I'd be trying to get a hookup next time I go into Chicago and got some cheap tires. Like that's what I would have been exactly. looking for. Tires are expensive. You spend like five hundred dollars on tires. Exactly. But I didn't like the way the mom talked down about her because she was a she was she came and watched her kids. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And the only reason why she did she got the only reason why I'm coming is because there's kids involved, not because of you. Because but. there's kids involved. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm gonna give you a fun fact about the house. You ready? Yeah. So the real house, aka the exterior house mm-hmm. that Uncle Buck's mm-hmm. family lives in, is on Lincoln Street in Elvestone. Illinois, and it's still there. It really does exist. It has four bedrooms and four bathrooms, and it is value at 1.5 million bucks. So beautiful. I watched a video of a couple that actually did a bunch of real filming locations, like the Uncle Buck. Really? Yeah. And so, like, you can 
see this house. I don't know if it's like Airbnb. If I lived there, I definitely would for real Uncle Buck fans to come and stay in this house. It looks about the same from what I saw. Mm -hmm. And Uncle Buck's apartment is real as well next to Wrigley Field. It is not accessible as the Uncle Buck house, but you can walk past it. It is still there from what I read. So there you go on that one. Hmm. Next time we're in Chicago, like to see how close we are to the house of the school. Chicago. I've only been once. I haven't spent a lot of time in Chicago. It's a fun town. I got two more facts. You got anything else you want to talk about? Um, there's just a few things that um, I only, I have a couple of more fun facts. Just specifically, you know the uh, the jersey. Fun fact that uh, John Candy, Uncle Buck, wearing is the jersey of the great Cubsman, Ernie Banks. The Cubbies. Yeah, baby. And I always thought Mr. Sunshine himself, how cute is that? And I always thought that was a really neat tribute that uh, he had his number and his jersey in the film. Dude, their whole his whole apartment is so Chicago, like, out. It's ridiculous. And I love that there was a sign that said, vote Democrat. Buck. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, I appreciate that, especially right now. Thank you, Bucky. What else you got? I love Lori Lori Metcalf. I'm I was really honored because I got to see her perform in a dollhouse two in New York City, which she got the Atoni Award for Ooh, that year for uh-huh. best for best leading actress. So I've got I've had the privilege and the honor to see her perform live as well. And she's phenomenal. I love this character for her because it's not the traditional character that you would see of her. She's very like like wild and loony and like kind of gives off this like rich divorcee vibe. And she's kind of like the mistress bad girl. I mean, I had always assumed that nothing really happened between her and uncle Buck. But now that you tell me he's a philandering bachelor, I guess it probably did happen. Cause remember she walks off all angry. Like, well, I guess I'll just leave. I mean, um, I think he didn't want to have anything to do with her. She was kind of annoying and mean and bossy. Cause she's like, I came over here to ask her if she wanted to go to, to lunch do you have any plans like she's not very do like do you have any plans but i think that she had a thing for him that's why she was trying to you know get to dance with him which was also a bad timing for him but like i feel like uh-huh. he definitely was not into her but she was into him but i do think that uncle buck is a cheater mm-hmm. i think that everyone should go back and look at the movie and look at his apartment and see if there's a body in that bed because to me but I think she does great. She is in Roseanne. Yeah, she's Aunt Jackie. She's in she Scream 2. She's such an accomplished actress. She screamed 2. Brighton Beach Memoir. Oh, no, that was... She wasn't in the film version. She was in the theatrical version of that. She has done so much theater, it's not even funny. Like, she is effing incredible when it comes that. to theater. Oh, yeah. She goes all the way back to 1979. Like... That was her. She was in the Glass and Nashery. That was her very first. Who she play? She played Laura Wingfield. Wow, that's a good role. I know it is. She's amazing. She's just so, and she's gonna be. She's supposed to be doing Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, but it's 2020 and everything is ruined. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, I absolutely love poor Broadway. I don't even. We shouldn't even talk about Broadway. It's so sad. I mean, we could, we, we should talk about Broadway. I shouldn't say that New Yorkers are Broadway actors. Please know that we feel you. We miss you because I haven't been to a Broadway show in like a, over a year. And this is like probably the longest in my life that I've gone without seeing a show of any sort. Yeah. 
And it, it, I'm going insane. The last show I got to see was last November. We saw Beetlejuice and it was so good. You told um, us that, yeah. Anyways, she, yeah, no, she's incredible. I love, she does a lot of voiceover work, which I really appreciate for Laurie Metcalf. Like she's the Toy Story. Mm-hmm. Um, she's done a lot for Disney. She's done Toy Story, Treasure Planet. Who's uh, she in Toy Lisa Story? Robinson's. Oh, in Toy Story, she's Mrs. Davis. Oh, yep. There you go. She is amazing. Mm-hmm. She's uh, in the Connors still, you know, and she is doing her shit. And I appreciate her. I'm glad we got mm-hmm. to give her a nod. We'll definitely talk about her in Scream 2 because, you know, I like me some sequels. <laughs> oh, my God. Scream 2 is so good, too. It is good. Okay. So um, I have two more funny facts. Are you ready? All right. Give them to me. All right. One. I'm ready. This is the first I would say the first white movie to use rap music instead of rock music to show the teenage angst, which I thought, mm, that's pretty crazy. Nice. Dang, they're using like wild thing already. Cause you know, like when he walks into the screw, boom, 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 wow, wow. Like it's wild thing and it plays yeah. pretty hard. And this is the first one to really do it other than like, you know, some kind of like beat street um, black cultured movie, but like a mainstream white movie to use rap music. This was the first one. So John Hughes, you might mm-hmm. not have been able to put us in your movies, but you brought our music to the movie. And I, uh, uh thank you. Really? That's really cool. I like that fun fact. Who is that? Wild thing is, uh, Tom Loke. Plus they play, Young MC at the at the party. I got two fun facts. I found an extra one. Fun fact. So Rick Romanes, Romanes. Whoa, am I drunk? Am I saying wrong? Yeah, Rick Moranis. Moranis. He turned down the role for Bob, so he could have been. They could have been brothers, which I thought yeah. I would have liked that, even though he's like a little tiny. I would have loved to see that. See another Spaceballs. I know, right? And a uh, little shop. So they they work together. And Second mm-hmm. City. He's from Second City as And well. Second City. Okay, here's my last fun fact. And I literally found fun this fact. for my nieces. So, you can really make your own Uncle Buck pancake. And your girl here has the recipe. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, you would need 300 grams of flour, 200 grams of sugar, 450 milliliters of milk, Nine eggs, 100 grams of unsalted butter, and 15 grams mm-hmm. of vegetable oil to make your pancake. Are you writing down the recipes right now? Of course I am. <laughs> I would definitely plan on making this for my nieces one day for their birthday if I could find a big enough place for me to make it. I've always said that I've wanted to make this thing. The toast will be regular sized toast. It will be able to uh. fit through the door. If you're you, you yourself or somebody would like to make your own Uncle Buck big ass birthday pancake, now you can. I don't know what you would cook it on. And I don't know where they even sh- sell snow shovels here in California for me to even <laughs> be able to flip it. So I don't know. One day I hope to make it, but we'll see. Nice. I would love it. I love a big stack of pancakes. I wouldn't want them as big as I want them tall. I want like a huge like monster stack that's so high you're like, whoa. <laughs> okay. 
Wow, Uncle Buck, you guys. There were so many fucking fun facts with this movie. We tried to hit you with as many as we could. But you know what time it is? What time is it, Z? It's time for Z for the people. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, Z for the people. So, for more than 60 years, Heart and Stroke Foundation has been doing research to help heart attacks and strokes. So, they are a Canadian-based foundation, and they have reduced strokes by 75% in Canada by their research, and they're helping people be educated on what to do to further help their heart. That's great. Like I said, they're Canadian and for decades they've been doing all of this great work. But in February of this year, they had their 19th Ironman outdoor curling competition. Okay. In this 19th Ironman outdoor curling competition, they were honoring the late, the great John Candy, who we already discussed had passed away at the age of 43 from a heart mm-hmm. attack. So they honored him in curling, which is straight up a Canadian fucking sport. I do like watching it on the on the Winter Olympics. It looks super cool where they like do the little broom. This foundation already did its thing in February of this year. But if you do want to donate money to the Heart and Stroke Foundation, Go ahead and log on to Heart and, which is spelled out, stroke.ca, and go ahead and read some more up on it and donate some money. Even if you are American yeah. and this is a Canadian foundation, it all helps all of us as a whole because their research is going to be our research. They helped with transplants mm-hmm. and heart transplants and stuff like that. But I thought that this was a great foundation because it dealt with hearts and strokes. Plus, it was a Canadian foundation, which John Candy is. So go ahead and go to Mm -hmm. heartsandstrokes.ca. If you have any questions or would like to donate your time, donate your money. And that is my Z for the people. Uh, Yes. uh. I loved it. I love it. Please give. Please give what you can. Even if it's just loving prayers or or a loving energy of any kind. But also if you can make a donation, that would be beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. We made it. We're done. We made it and we're done. But I just want to say thank you so much for everyone that is tuning in and listening to us. I really appreciate you and love you. And if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be doing what we do because we love to share all of our knowledge of films and cocktails. And we just love talking about it. So thank you. If you, haven't listened to us or want to listen to us on other platforms, you can catch us on Spotify, Pandora, uh, Beanpod, CastBox. We're all on any, pretty much anywhere that you get your podcasts, we're there. (laughs) (laughs) Twitter, uh, our Instagram, and our Facebook. We're always posting really fun stuff. Uh, Check us out. And if you have any comments or recommendations or even little facts that you might have known that we missed and want to talk about with us, please send us an email at lightscameracocktail. No S. Get the S out of here. At gmail.com. Yep. And we appreciate it. Anything, uh, celebrity sightings, any drinks that you guys love. We love learning about new drinks. It's our favorite. Give yep. us a reason. Going through so many drinks. We've been through over 100 so, drinks. Woo! And we're still going. Still going. I'm running And out. I'm really proud of us because we also create our own cocktails sometimes. When we do. We do. 
And I really appreciate that. And someday in the future, I hope that Lights, Camera, Cocktails, Cocktails. Uh, can work with a very specific production company to maybe put a little, you know, bar cookbook, a bar book out, you know? Oh, I've been waiting to do a Lights, Camera, Cocktail cocktail book with our drinking games and fun facts about the drink since I started this. So I am gathering and in the next year I do plan on working on that. So thank you. We fucking made it. Um, we made it. Do you want to tell everybody what movie we're doing next week for our super fun family fun month? So we're going to continue our fun family friendly films month. And this one is near and dear to my heart. I love fairy tales. I thought it would be really fun and something we can all kind of bond over. And reminisce about Rogers and Hammerstein's Cinderella. That's right. Wah, wah, wah. And we're talking not the Julie Andrews 1957. Nope. I am talking about Cinderella with Brandy, with fucking Whitney Houston, with Whoopi Goldberg. This is the 1997 film. Bernadette Peters, the most incredible cast of all time. I can't wait to talk about this movie. Ah! Impossible things are happening every day. <laughs> I'm excited for that one. I'm ready for that one. Good pick. I cannot and wait. I cannot wait. That's next week, you guys. Thank you for joining us, for sticking with us, for drinking with us, for watching with us, for listening with us. Thank you, Lenny, for talking to me about one of my favorite movies. Of course, baby. Love this movie. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week on another episode of Lights, Camera, Cocktails. What's another word for balls? Oh, nuts.